I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast. Last month, as part of our Sounds of America series, we started profiling some of the recordings that were recently added to the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress. All of them were selected for the registry based on their historical, cultural, or aesthetic importance to American society. And the collection includes all kinds of audio, from music and radio broadcasts to speeches, audiobooks, and comedy performances. Today, we profile something different and new to the registry, music composed for a video game. The game? The original Super Mario Brothers, released by Nintendo in 1985 on their home game console, the Nintendo Entertainment System. To tell the story of the Super Mario Brothers theme music, we begin with the composer. Hello, I'm Koji Kondo from Nintendo, a music composer for video games. I played the electric organ from around the age of five through high school. I saw a posting in a recruitment flyer while I was at university. I actually only took one employment exam, and that was for Nintendo. I liked games, I liked sound creation, and of course I liked making music, so I thought, this is the perfect location for me. Koji Kondo really is a giant among game composers. Before him, composers did not dedicate their careers solely to music for games. I'm Winifred Phillips. I'm a game composer. I'm also the author of the book, A Composer's Guide to Game Music. Nintendo had been a game-making company for a very long time. They were making playing cards in the 19th century. And by the time the 1970s got around, they moved to electronic games. And so when the arcade craze happened, Nintendo followed suit. Eventually, they found great success with the game Donkey Kong in 1981. I'm Jeff Ryan, the author of Super Mario, How Nintendo Conquered America. In the video game world, for about 10 years, the games were being made for arcades. As great as an arcade game is, it's only something you can do at an arcade. But at home, you can play for as long as you want. So Nintendo made the Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES. Will you be the one to witness the birth of the incredible Nintendo Entertainment System? Koji Kondo was a relatively new hire at Nintendo, and one of the things he was told to do was to add some music to video games. They were making a game called Super Mario Brothers. If you haven't played Super Mario Brothers, oh no! Hi, I'm Charles Martinet. I have been the voice of Super Mario for 31 years. It's me, Super Mario! Woohoo! I crashed an audition, and I caught the director as he's walking out the door. And I said, can I read for this? And he goes, all right, come on inside. You're an Italian plumber from Brooklyn named Mario for a company called Nintendo. Make up a voice, make up a video game, make up anything you want. I don't care. Just don't stop talking till you run out of things to say. And I thought to myself, self, 
Italian plumber from Brooklyn. Get out of my face. I'm working here. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. Because if I'm doing that, what if there are kids? I don't want to do that all day long. It's grumpy old, you know. So I thought, well, I could make it younger. I did Gremio and Taming of the Shrew. Nice Italian guy. Talk like it is. Ah! And I thought, well, I'll do that. But I'll make him young. And I heard action. I said... I'm a Mario. Let's make a pizza pie together. You go get some sausage. I'm going to get some spaghetti. And then I'm going to chase with the pizza. And if I catch with the pizza, you're going to make a raspatutolotello. Ah, al mare. It's really great. Until I finally heard, stop talking. Cut. There's no more tape. Thank you. We'll be in touch. And I thought for sure that was the end. Then I got this phone call. Mr. Miyamoto would like you to play Mario in a video game. And I said, woohoo. With all video games, there are two different points. There's the story point, and then there's the gameplay point. So the story of Super Mario Brothers is something out of fairy tales. A princess has been kidnapped by an evil monster, and the hero needs to go rescue her. It's almost a Shakespearean adventure, isn't it? Where a common man, the everyman, falls in love with the princess and dedicates his life to rescuing her from the evil Bowser to bring right to the world. It is a hero's adventure. But from a gameplay point of view, Super Mario Brothers is essentially an obstacle course. There are opponents to get past or vanquish, and there are different traps. So if you can get past all of that, you rescue the princess. The Super Mario Brothers game was really revolutionary for its time. It was so bright and colorful and well-constructed. When I first saw the game, the blue skies left quite an impression. Up until that time, you know, most of the games had this very black background, so I thought that these bright, fun-looking visuals were quite groundbreaking. Super Mario comes around and the sky is blue. Not just a little blue, but super blue. It looks like Montana out there. And I think the creativity has always inspired the technology. You have to, to make something no longer one place where all the adventure takes place to a side scroll. You have to have that creative spark that says, what happens if we're running that way and finding somebody that way? Mario just happened to be a plumber, and we fell in love with him because he was the first avatar, the first video game character with a recognizably human build. To have a character in a video game, as opposed to a gun or a spaceship or something, and suddenly you have a hero. You have suddenly a plot, and suddenly an adventure, and suddenly you're bringing things and finding things instead of just shooting things or instead of just escaping something. You're trying to discover. There's constant action. There's constant momentum. And the music itself was marvelous in enhancing that experience. Koji Kondo didn't have that many raw materials to work with. Well, the technology for the Nintendo Entertainment System at the time only afforded square waves and three channels of sound? First, of course, there were sound limitations. You know, there were only three notes, musical notes, and one white noise note to produce intervals. 
So the two monophonic channels he combined, now he has chords, not just individual notes. The triangle wave can carry the bass line, and the white noise generator can be turned on and off in sequence or in rhythm, that's another word for the percussion section. And all of a sudden, you have a band. This was quite a limited sound palette with which to create music. So it's a testament to the creativity and ingenuity of the artist that he was able to take those limited tools and create such a vibrant score. Video game music before Super Mario Brothers was very loud and very repetitive. And one of the innovations Super Mario Brothers had was that there were recognizable songs. You could actually hum along with them. And when you weren't playing, you were thinking about the music, not even the gameplay, but the music. You could go to nearly any gamer and hum just a few notes, and they'll know immediately what you're talking about. It's one of the, if not the most memorable game music melodies ever created. So the melody and the bass parts are divided equally, but the rhythm hi-hat is divided into triplets. And I think that gap between the even distribution and the triplet distribution is what gives the music the feeling of moving forward. And, you know, I really wasn't aiming for that. Actually, at the time, I tried using rhythm from a different song I was working on, and it just happened to feel good, so I adopted it for this piece. The Super Mario Brothers theme is such an interesting piece of music. It's quite syncopated in its design. Lots of interval leaps, so it has a very strong sense of uplift and very lively, energetic music. I used all sorts of genres that matched what was happening on screen. We had jingles to encourage players to try again after, you know, getting a game over. Fanfares to congratulate them for reaching goals. Pieces that sped up when time remaining grew short. So I composed this type of interactive music with the aim of making games more fun to play. Your endorphins start, your joy comes up, your heart starts gleefully pounding, you know, your chest. Let's go! Here we go! Woohoo! You know, every fiber of your being, when it hears the music, is lifted and raised to that place of utter joy and happiness as the adventure begins. There are certain areas during gameplay where the music aligns with the kinetics of the game, and the game itself pulses in rhythm with the music. The music gets very dark and sinister as he goes underground into the dungeons. And even if the dungeons weren't very dark and imposing, the music lets you know, uh-oh, there are more enemies here, there are more dangers here, we're not in the blue sky territory anymore, this is, this is dangerous. When Mario is swimming underwater, the music morphs into a lovely waltz time. And the waltz was meant to give a sense of the dance-like nature of Mario's movement during that level. 
It's really interesting how the visual aspects of the level also accentuate that waltz time by pulsing and flashing in accordance with the rhythm of the music. Koji Kondo was a composer who was also a sound designer. He truly had a, an intrinsic understanding of how music and sound design in a game complement each other. Although the sound was monotonous and a bit simple, I do have a lot of fun memories of the trial and errors that we went through making all the different sounds. Everything had to have a whimsical flair. Additionally, the amount of data that we could use for music and sound effects was extremely small. The sound design and the music needed to occupy the same space. So if sound design elements were being triggered, they would steal voices away from the music. And the music had to be created so that if voices were stolen away by a flurry of sound design, the music would still feel satisfying. It wouldn't feel like it had lost something. They had to cram so much in such a limited space, and it's still something that people are marveling at. We don't have that problem anymore. We have unlimited space to make whatever we want, but sometimes the limitations are what make a piece of work great. Games are very long experiences. When we sit and play a game, we might be playing it for quite a long period of time. If you're playing Super Mario Brothers for more than a minute, you end up hearing Koji Kondo's theme on repeat over and over again. And this is the single biggest challenge in writing video game music. You're going to hear a song over and over again. It's one thing to write a great three-minute pop ditty. It's another thing to know this song is going to be on repeat for three hours and you are not going to get sick of it. That's a very difficult thing to pull off as a game composer. So it's really impressive how well the Super Mario Brothers theme works. I think the music is magical. We have in our world an easy ability to become cynical and jaded. But when you hear the first three notes of music, everything goes away except that beauty and that joy that you're about to step into, the magic. The original Super Mario Brothers sold well over 40 million copies, and that's not counting anyone who's buying a virtual console now on a Nintendo Switch just so that they can play the game that they grew up with or that their parents grew up with. And as for the music, I think it's become widely known and has kept its appeal because people around the globe have played Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario games for such a long time. And because there are many different occasions outside the game where the music has been played and people have been able to hear it. When we listen to Duke Ellington or Dusty Springfield, we're listening to the past. We have a little time machine into them as composers and artists. Koji Kondo's music is different because if you're hearing it as intended on a Nintendo Entertainment System while playing Super Mario Brothers, it's being played for you right now in the present. In that way, it's closer to a music box or a player piano. Those melodies bring back memories, and those memories are cherished for gamers. So it's a strong, intimate, and joyous bond between the gamer and the music that accompanies their play. 
We all love our inner child. We always want to go back to that innocence. And I think that's another thing that, that Mario games do, is they allow you to re-choose the innocence. You're transported back to that childhood, to that magic and to that joy. People wonder what it is about the 8-bit format that made his song so great. And I don't think it has anything to do with the 8-bit format. I think he just wrote delightful songs, and they can be played on a piano or a guitar. They happen to be played on the instrument of the Nintendo Entertainment System. I never imagined the songs I made back then would be listened to by so many people worldwide. And, you know, I'd like to offer my sincere thanks to the game fans who have played so many times, and of course the Nintendo staff who worked on the game with me for making this possible. That's the story behind the Super Mario Brothers video game theme music. We heard from the music's original composer, Koji Kondo, actor Charles Martinet, video game music composer Winifred Phillips, and author Jeff Ryan. The Sounds of America is produced by Jenny Cataldo of Accompany Studios. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.